Well, hi, everyone. This is Michael, and welcome to the LoveWorks Dreamers Endurers podcast. We are bringing you today episode number 122. Checking out Dreamers Endurers, we just want to welcome you. You are giving the thing in life that is the most precious, whether you realize it or not, and that is your time. So again, thank you for checking us out. And if you are returning back to Dreamers and Doers, thank you. Uh, we appreciate just your time as well. We know that there are definitely plenty of great options out there in the podcast universe. That is right. And our hope with the Dreamers and Doers podcast is that each week, our special guests will connect with you wherever you find yourself today. And they're going to inspire you to become the best version of yourself for tomorrow. Well, Carolyn, I know that you know this, but we absolutely love personal growth. Carolyn, do you love personal growth? I do love personal growth. You know, it's a, it's not always easy, Michael, but it, it can be a blast. I will say that. I totally, I totally agree. You have your on days and then you potentially have your other days, fill in the blank, <laughs> uh, whatever word this might be appropriate. But each week we like to take a few minutes and curate different resources for you. Carolyn and I and our team here at LoveWorks, we love to do some of the heavy lifting. So we're going to flex our muscles for you. And then we're going to offer up suggestions. Just think that we're like the golden corral of leadership and personal growth. So plenty of great options out there for you. We might highlight different types of music and song suggestions, uh, different influences out there that are doing really cool stuff. But today, Carolyn and I are going to get transparent with you and we're gonna share with you, especially with this upcoming school year, about something new and different that we have recently tried. So. Carolyn, I was a little surprised to hear about what you recently tried. So I uh, do enlighten us with your experience. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, if you are like a new listener, maybe you don't know who I am. Um, I'm the type of person, I'll, I'll pick on myself for a little bit. One, um, physical activity, especially sports related things are not necessarily my favorite. And I think back to when I was in elementary school, middle school, high school, and if there was something that I didn't immediately kind of catch on and I wasn't good at, um, I kind of just put to the side and I was like, that's not for me. And it turned out, Michael, for a lot of that, it was sports. Um, and so I just kind of, if it wasn't something that I was immediately good at, I just kind of put it on the shelf and I figured it's mm -hmm. not really for me. And uh, so I went through a lot of years without trying a lot of sports. Anyway, I've gone through a lot of time without trying cop golf. I've been invited out by friends. It's really fun, they tell me. And I just keep telling them like, it's golf. That's not really my thing, you know? And so <laughs> they wore me down. I finally went um, and I was, I was really out of my element. I realized, Michael, mm -hmm. I never held a golf club outside mm -hmm. of a, a putt putt, like, <laughs> like yeah, a putt. Yeah. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I think I'm going to throw this at somebody. This is going to injure someone. Mm -hmm. you know? Anyway, finally went, had a ton of fun um, and went with, I, I would say the right group of people too. So people mm -hmm. who that it was not just about the score, it was not just about winning, but really about your doing your personal best. So each person mm -hmm. had a goal of why they were playing and why they were there and really helped alleviate the, I, I think the, the maybe the tension I was gonna put on myself of like, well, you have to do good and you have to win. Mm -hmm. Ever. You're going to embarrass yourself. And it's like, no, we're just going to have fun. We're going to try something different. We're going to get out of our comfort zone because it helps. That is, that is so good. I hope I can see pictures and videos. We'll definitely upload that on LoveWorks social media. But I, you know, I wouldn't have guessed though about, well, at least five or six years ago, I wouldn't have guessed about the athletic part. I don't know if we've ever shared this story on our 121 other podcasts, but you and I and other amazing students here at LoveWorks had a plank challenge. And Carolyn, you won. <laughs> okay, that's true. But it, I will argue that the plank challenge is not a solely physical thing. It was, it was very much a mental thing, mental, mental, uh, mental challenge. Well, I don't know if my shoulders, my forearms, and my core agrees with you, but, <laughs> but, uh, but nonetheless, I love, I love that story. And I think that's something important to realize about personal growth, because I think we, each of us have our thing or two that we naturally gravitate towards. And I think there's something powerful 
when you just step out and even though you might feel a little anxious, you might have a little fear, whatever the case might be, but just try something new and different. Of course, as long as this is positive. Uh, <laughs> just real, br real briefly, I'll mention the thing recently that I tried uh, and it was uh, somewhat athletic as well too. Carolyn, you actually saw me play, but it was the game pickleball. And pickleball seems to be just a sport that I keep hearing more and more about. But it, it's, if you haven't played before, I feel like it's a combination of tennis and racquetball. But uh, it, it was just really, really fun. We went to, uh, we went, I mean, we took some students out to an event and we had the opportunity to get out there on a pickleball court and, uh, and play. And uh, I definitely plan on uh, finding future opportunities uh, to get out there and see if I can uh, improve my pickleball skill because I had a little, little, chal little challenge out there playing, but it was a lot of fun. So we hope that those suggestions encouraged you, motivated you to think about what is that something that you would like to try and just get out there and step out of your comfort zone. Well, I'm ready to get in the zone and it is the conversation zone. And so let's explain our format of dreamers and doers. Each week we have the fortunate opportunity to be able to have a conversation with someone that we've identified that is a dreamer and is a doer. And we're gonna take a few minutes and we're definitely going to hear about part of their dream story. But we also wanna hear about what were some of the early initial steps that our dreamer and doer took to reach their goal and to reach their dream. And we hope that it's going to encourage you to get from the place that you are today to the place that you desire to get to tomorrow. So let's meet our dreamer and doer, friend of LoveWorks. Her name is Laura Carnegie. Laura's dream of training for the Olympic trials and competing in the Olympics came to an abrupt and following end following a debilitating car accident in 2011. Refusing to give up on life, she built a company that would allow her to make connections. Utilizing the skills that she gained from studying fashion design and fashion marketing at the Colorado Institute of Art, she started Carnegie Art Company where she uses her paintings, mixed media works, costumes, photography, and sculptures to guide her viewers in an exploration of emotions, history, and connections as she tells the story of life the way that she sees it. Live to Connect has become the creed by which Laura now embraces each day. She's a current board member of the Pauls Valley Chamber of Commerce and Pauls Valley Arts Council, a Paul Harris Fellow, Rotary International, and is a frequent guest speaker for businesses, churches, and schools. Laura lives on a ranch in Oklahoma with her family and a myriad of animals. Hey, Laura, great to see you. Hey, Michael. Hey, Carolyn. How are you guys? We are doing awesome. Thanks for joining us today. Good. Thank you for welcoming me. I appreciate it. Well, Laura, you heard us tell on ourselves recently, Carolyn and I both have tried <laughs> something that is new and different. So just out of curiosity, before we roll into our first dreamer and doer question, is there anything recently that you have tried and stepped out to do? Absolutely. I would say it, it actually has to do with our business, the way that we approach mm -hmm. our customers which has been kind of fun, a little scary, a little, a little, uh, just kind of the way it's supposed to work, I guess, this time. Um, I think we get used to being in our habits of what we normally do and kind of thinking this is traditionally how business works for us in the past. And mm -hmm. we're kind of taking a, a completely different direction where we actually just jumped right into the farmer's market instead of opening another restaurant right away. We are mm -hmm. kind of letting our um, guests at the market be our test kitchen instead of mm -hmm. us saying what we like and trying to force it on mm -hmm. our customers we're letting them have that open direct feedback and it is mm -hmm. so much fun to be right there with them in a in a different way than we've approached business before so it's a lot of yeah. fun i'm loving it cool yeah Aww. I love that. Hey, we're kicking off with the i think a dream already kind of coming to life here a vision that, that <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I think this is a, a good intro to our very first question, our first official question, I should say. Um, and we know that you're a dreamer, Laura. We also know that you're a doer, but which one comes more naturally to you? So um, I, I would say the dreaming comes more natural to, to me. Um, I think that has to do with the fact that as an artist, you kind of see life more visually within your brain a little bit and you kind of um, get to create this magical world in in anything that you can can dream up it, it, i mean it's your world nobody can tell you no um and so mm -hmm. then that becomes the challenge of then sometimes taking that dream and figuring out to, ways to navigate through to the doing part so i know as mm -hmm. a as a kid i was a huge dreamer and mm -hmm. um 
I remember um, I went to fashion design school. I was fashion design, fashion marketing was my was my direction. And I had a sign that I put up in my apartment wall and it said, just follow the little girl's dreams and you can only succeed. And it's like, mm. if we just go back to that core of, of what we want and what we dreamt when we thought everything was completely possible and nothing would stand in our way. If we go back to those things, that's definitely the dreamer. Um, and then the doer kind of has to step in and, and learn skills that maybe don't always come natural but mm -hmm. learn those skills that then help take that dream and put it into action. So definitely a dreamer for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely love that. Definitely. And my natural, my natural tendency, Laura, right now would be, want to, would be to go next right into your Olympic dream story. Mm -hmm. However, mm -hmm. though, I wanna pull back just a little bit and you mentioned just being this young dreamer growing up. So mm -hmm. we'd love for our dreamers and doers to get to know you just a little bit more. So kind of take us back to what life was like growing up. Anything that you'd wanna share either about your family, a particular middle school or high school memory that stands out? Yeah, um, I would say being very young, um, my, my dad was a dreamer, my mom was a doer. Um, and so mm -hmm. I kind of had the best of both worlds that way. So I, I was born in Germany um, got an opportunity to live in New Mexico when we first came back to the States. And so I grew up um, at a very young age um, going to rain dances and on the Navajo reservation. And that's where my love for fabric and the sounds of, you know, that you had the rain dancers and all of the, just everything, just feeling the heartbeat of the earth, if you will, through mm -hmm. all of these adventures. Um, as a senior in high school, a junior in high school, I got the opportunity to go to the Philippines as an exchange student through Rotary. And I will tell you that that just, it opened my mind that all of these cultural experiences that I had had growing up just kind of was a culmination of, I at that point was my own individual unit. I, I, I belonged to a family, but I was finding myself. And when I stepped off the plane in a country that I didn't know the language, um, I was 16 years old and um, I stepped off the plane and here was this, my host father and my host brother met me and just instantly they welcomed me and loved me within their home. And, and it was, you know, my family was always really good about trying to open the home and welcoming people in. But it was one of the first times that I'd had it so openly reciprocated that I thought there are so many good people in this world just trying to do the best for their family that 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 was a pivotal moment in me, in my mind, on how I looked at everyone across the board. You know, we all just try to do our best. And, and some of us do better at different times than others. And sometimes we fail pretty miserably. <laughs> but but that was my experience. Um, living in a different country as my own individual unit, having my own experiences, um, truly changed my life for the better, for the rest of my life. Uh, mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Lori, I love hearing, I love hearing that. And uh, just the, the idea of, you know, your love for art and your and for music and fabric kind of coming to life where it did, um, give, paints, a, paints a really wonderful picture. Um, but then also Thank for the, the love of connection as well. I, I think mm -hmm. we hear that in the story of, uh, of you going to the Philippines and seeing, you know, what, what welcome looks like and what love looks like yeah. even. Um, yeah. So were you always interested in fashion from a young age? Um, and then w when did kind of the Olympic side come out? Yeah, no, I love that. Um, I always interested in fashion and colors and kind of the textures of fabric. And I think that's from the velvet skirts and you know just everything from those rain dances um from a really young age my mom sewed with five kids you know i mean she sewed um and so i remember really super young sitting on her lap sewing and finally i looked at her and i said leave me alone because she wanted to follow all the rules well i didn't like rules <laughs> i was like i don't i don't need a seam allowance i don't need you know well found out I needed a seam allowance when I didn't sew an adequate seam allowance in my um, skirt my senior year and I sat down in my history class and had to um, go change into gym shorts because I didn't leave enough so rules are good <laughs> there are some rules you need to follow but um, but honestly the the dream of the Olympics came in partly because I wanted the uniforms I loved I, I loved the colors I loved the textures I loved 
you know, I wanted that uniform. Um, we, we moved at one point from New Mexico to Colorado and with five kids, what do you do with five kids that doesn't cost a lot of money, but you get them outside and you, you do outside stuff. And Denver was filled with all sorts of amazing activities. And so we did Volks marches, which is where you kind of pay $5 and you used to be $5. So it was a long time ago, (laughs) pay $5 and you'd walk to different checkpoints up along through different mountain trails and you'd get stamps. And if you finished your stamp book, then you would get a medal and a t-shirt at the end. Well, that was motivation for any kid to keep walking, right? Where's the next stamp? And we'd all try to race up to get the next one. So I'm second oldest of five. So it was at that Volks March, um, one of them, that we had a gentleman, Bob Carlson, who was uh, a race walker, um, approach our family and say, hey, why don't you guys all come to a fun run race walk? Well, it was a national championship. And I had run track, but I hadn't, you know, really done much other than just kind of your little seventh, eighth grade track. Um, and when I was watching an Olympic runner who had turned race walkers, Visha Selec, she, I was watching her, she, number one, she was gorgeous, tall, skinny, blonde. And I thought, oh, that's what I want to be. You know, I'm not short, you know, you can't change that. But, um, but she was just this gorgeous model who was a runner who had turned race walker. And I just studied and watched what she was doing. And I thought, okay, I'll give this a try. And so um, we went ahead and entered, you know, these little, it was a 5K. And um, I won in my age division. Now, I'm sure the judges were pretty lenient with me on my form and technique. But, and I, you know, I think the only competition was my sister, my younger sister at that point (laughs) in that age range. Um, But it was, I fell in love with the spirit of competition that I'd never felt before. Mm-hmm. And um, so there were so many more races that came after that. And at that point, it was not an Olympic sport for women. It was for men. And so I was racing for the shoes. I was racing to win shoes because that was that was one of the awards that you'd get is you'd get a medal or you'd get a glass you know, trophy or something like that. And and so I started racing for the sh- for the shoes, honestly, loved it. And then I found that it was a way to kind of challenge yourself physically in a way that I'd never experienced being challenged before. Um, mm-hmm. Pushing through what, what you would once think was, was hurt in your body, you begin to kind of sit back and think, well, no, that's not hurt. That's just an area in the body that I need to strengthen. And it was mm-hmm. showing, you know, weaknesses. And so I think it was kind of more of a whole metaphor for how I live my life. Mm-hmm. I tend to push really hard and and want to be all in i'm kind of a sink or swim um and i it's kind of if you're pushing hard and you're finding that area of weakness a lot of times it's an opportunity to go this is too hard i'm done i'm not going to do it but for me i have naturally always kind of looked at it as what do i not know what do i not understand who do I need to go to to find those answers that can teach me the things that I don't know? And so that race walking became just its own medium for me to challenge myself in a way that I never knew how to challenge myself before. When you, when you end up pushing beyond any physical connection with your physical body and you become nothing but just your intellect that is existing out in nature, out on your workouts, um, pushing yourself and realizing, okay, I, I didn't exceed where I wanted to in this spot, but that's okay. I, we don't have to be perfect at everything we do, but if we can find happiness and peace while we're striving to learn more and experience more, that for me is living. And, mm-hmm. and that's what I found in the race walking was that, you know, I, I continued to race well. I, my parents continued to put me in opportunities and situations for the most part where I could race in Denver. Um, when I was 16, my parents moved three hours outside of Denver to Burlington, Colorado, tiny little town. Um, and there again, I thought my life was over as a freshman in high school. You're moving to me from Denver to this <laughs> tiny little town. And I have to tell you some of the best experiences in life happened because of moving to that small town and and the relationships that i've the people that blessed my life then that whether we're still in contact now or not just due to the way life happens but 
the things that I experienced while being there blessed my life in ways that I, I can't go back and try to recreate in any other situation than the way it happened. So um, I was approached at that point by the um, U.S. Olympic great, um, wrestling coach. And he's like, listen, we don't have an Olympic coach for women at this point in time for race walking, but if she wants, she can come live at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs. I'll work with her, I'll train her. She, you know, she's gonna have to figure a lot of it out on her own. But as a family, we talked about it. And um, there were some things with my, with my family that being second oldest, my brother was already gone out of the house and just needed to be home a little bit more to help with siblings. And um, I think there was a natural little bit of kind of not resentment, but maybe frustration. And so when the opportunity came to go to the Philippines, man, I jumped on it. I was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> I've been the big sister for a while. I'm ready to go have fun. Um, went to the Philippines, came back, um, graduated high school, got into fashion design school, and it still was not an Olympic sport for women at that point in time. And so um, I met my husband. Um, he's an executive chef. I figure, you know, you can feed us. I can clothe us. We're good, right? We, we take care of whatever family we have. Now and, you're um, talking Carolyn's language, Laura. Exactly. Getting, getting, getting into the food. <laughs> we love food. Um, so, so we'd had our, our two children. Um, they're seven and a half years apart. And I kind of got into mom mode and, and loved, you know, PTA and my husband with restaurants and those type of things. I was supporting him, encouraging him. And he was supporting it and making it possible that I could just be home with our kids that we had worked really hard to have. Well, when our, our youngest was about a year old, my younger brother, who has competed in three different Olympics, competed in Greece. I looked at my husband and I said, we've got to go watch him in Greece. And so we backpacked through Europe. My husband and I backpacked through Europe for a couple of weeks and then went down to Greece and, and watched him in the Olympics. Well, when we got home from that trip, I was kind of sitting and I was, I was reading um, just kind of a, a church magazine. I was just kind of reading some things and kind of pondering some things. And there was a, a thought that came through my mind and it was, if you knew you could not fail, what would you do? Mm. And I thought, wow, well, if success is guaranteed, then those dreams that I've had all my life, it's a given, I'm putting them into motion. And so mm -hmm. I contacted a friend of mine across the street who ran marathons, she was a personal trainer. And I'm like, hey, I wanna, I need to lose some weight. I wanna start competing. And she laughed at me because I was nothing near what looked like someone who cared about exercise or their body. And, you know, remember my husband's a French chef, an Italian chef, so I loved food. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so I, I just said, hey, I need to do something. She goes, yeah, come back to me when you're serious. And she said, you know, 90% of what we get out of life is what we eat. And she says, I can teach you how to take care of your body and do all those things. But if you're not eating correctly, it's not going to do anything. And um, so I went back to her about a week and a half later after I talked to my husband and I said, I have a dream. I said, don't laugh. Do not laugh at my dream. But I, I want to compete. I want to I want to race again. And, and he did not laugh. And he said, OK, but let's look at reality. At this point, we lived in Utah six, seven months out of the year, it's so cold, your lungs freeze, burn when you're out racing, you know, when you're out working out and stuff. Um, so it was like, how are you gonna do a 20K on a treadmill? You know, how are you gonna get to California and work with the Olympic coach? How are you gonna, you know, do all these things? But he helped make it possible. He believed in me enough to help make it possible. And so I, I think that was vital to have someone who believed enough that regardless of the outcome, regardless of whether I ever made it to the Olympics or not, he believed in me to the point that I took that confidence and was willing to put the time and effort in. And that was that doer part, right? Mm -hmm. Having somebody say it's worth the doing because you're worth the dream, if that makes sense. Hey, Laura, I wanted to jump yeah. in just real quick. And I know there's Absolutely. more to this story that we want to no, get you're to. Good. For those that are unfamiliar, can you paint just a real quick picture of what race walking is? You bet. That's a good question. Um, race walking is basically forcing yourself to run to walk as absolutely fast as you possibly can without running. And there are two main rules. You have to have a heel of your advancing foot and your your hind foot, a heel on the advancing foot and a toe of your hind foot on the ground at all times to the naked eye. 
So you end mm. up with kind of a, a little duck walk in, in a sense. Mm. But when you when you watch those, now I will tell you, my brother has impeccable form. Uh, my form was never as good as his, <laughs> but I'd also had babies, so that changes the way our hips move. <laughs> but um, but um, so yeah, it's a heel and a toe on the ground at all times to the naked eye, and your advancing leg as it comes around to the front, your knee must be straight. So for someone who's hmm. double jointed, you can almost end up landing kind of mid foot, but ideally you're you're always heel to toe, heel to toe, and so mm -hmm. that's where it's it's that straight leg bent heel to toe as fast and as hard as you can. And mm -hmm. um, I found that the the more upper body strength I had, the faster I could go because I could propel myself forward faster. Mm -hmm. So now mind you, I, I, I never reached exactly what my goal was, but mm -hmm. there was purpose in that goal that I didn't know about when I started the goal. Gotcha. So yeah, okay. so we may get okay. to that part, however you want to do it. <laughs> That's good. Carolyn, did you catch all that? And I, I feel like you and I may need to have a friendly competition. <laughs> <laughs> a friendly what? Competition. Oh, 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 is that what you're <laughs> I was like, no. a friendly conversation or no, <laughs> no, Jenny. Truly okay, well, Laura, thank you for appeasing me, giving us the popcorn yes. break, and, and, and now continue, continue in, the, in, the, in the story. We're getting to California and your coach. And yes, yes. So, so it was wonderful. I was, I was on track to qualify for Olympic trials. I needed to shave about a minute and a half off of my time. Now it's a 20K um, distance. And I needed to shave about a minute and a half, which was doable with where I was at and how long I had to get there. Um, but I, I would train in Utah and then I would do a couple of races in California. I went to New York, did a race and I, that's where balance comes into place was that race in New York. Um, because I had been so OCD about what I ate and how I ate and measured everything and every, all of that. Well, when I went to New York, I didn't take any of my food with me. And I had, um, and I'm like, a, an egg bagel just before my race. Let me just say, I didn't finish the race. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a really hard learning lesson. Um, we can have this perfect picture in our mind, but life requires balance. And, and so how do we find that balance? So fast forward a little while, I'm enjoying the training. I'm, I'm loving the challenges, um, traveling back and forth. We would take our kids to Disneyland anytime I'd go to a race. So they were like, when are you racing again? Let's go, let's go. So it was always, yeah. you know, race in Florida, we'd go to Disney World, you know, the kids loved it. And so as a family, it, it just, I felt unbelievably loved and supported by my family. And, mm -hmm. and I think they enjoyed parts of it as much as I enjoyed parts of it. Mm -hmm. So um, flash forward to um, 2011, um, May 16th of 2011, I was in a horrific car accident that completely mm -hmm. changed the trajectory of my life. I mean, there's just no mm -hmm. doubt. Um, and um, I was the only one in the car. There were a lot of miracles that happened um, during the accident um, that happens. But I, you know, I it had my hands on the steering wheel. I saw the guy coming up really fast on me and I had my hands on the steering wheel and closed my eyes. And I thought I knew I was going to be obliterated from the face of the earth. I, I just knew I, that was my gut feeling was I will no longer exist on this earth when I open my eyes and I opened my eyes and somehow miraculously I was still on this earth. Um, and at that moment, all of the training that I had put in, I, I didn't realize that my body needed the strength to withstand and recover from that accident. So that whole, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? Um, having me go back to working out and getting strong, I think God knew I, I was gonna need something different in my life, but he needed me to see a different picture to get me there. And, mm -hmm. and so I was willing to put the five hours a day in my workouts. I was willing to put the 60 miles a week on the road. I was willing to, you know, do all the cross training, the visualizations, the mental affirmations, you know, everything, the whole total body. He knew I would be willing to do it if the dream was big enough that he could get me there. So um, after the accident, about six months after the accident, when I just, it, 
could not, I, I mean, I crawled anywhere I needed to go for about the first six months and um, got in with an orthopedic surgeon, you know, who I'd worked with before. And he was like, what on earth is going on with you? Let's get you in with a neurosurgeon. Got in in the neurosurgeon and he looked at the MRI and he said, I don't know how you're not a quadriplegic. He said, this, this is bad. And um, I said, well, I know how I'm not, but what do we need to do to get me back on the road? How can I, I want to train, I want to race, you know, I'm only six months out, you know, can I, I've got another eight months before trials start, you know, and my times would qualify for things. And um, I didn't want to see reality yet, but um, five major surgeries, shoulder, knees, um, a complete reconstruction and donor tendon and everything on a left ankle, and finally a back fusion. Um, after those five major surgeries, um, I realized it, my purpose was not to race walk anymore. My purpose was um, to be a wife, to be a mother, um, and to learn to live in a body that wouldn't do what I used to be able to make it do, right? Just by forcing it and, and working hard and overcoming those things. Um, and I, I threw a temper tantrum. I mean, I was not happy. I, I really wasn't. Um, I kind of threw a big pity party. I didn't invite anybody, but I sure did drag them through it. So, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. I drug, drug my family through things a little bit. And um, I got to where I really liked how some of the medication, I mean, they threw me on a lot of medication. I couldn't put my head on a pillow for two and a half months. Um, mm -hmm. I slurred my words for probably the better part of a year, year and a half. Um, mm -hmm a lot of recovery has happened and I am so much further down the road in a better place than I ever thought I could be. So my goal of going to the Olympics would have gotten me a uniform, right? Yeah, but yeah. Um, the path that this last 10 years has 11 years has been, um, mm -hmm. has gotten me so much further um, mm -hmm. than I ever could have gone just by getting a uniform. So my pity party, I kind of disappeared for a while. I disengaged. Now I'm a type A. I, I was a type A in a type A body. And let me tell you, I was going, I was doing things. Um, mm -hmm. and, and when you get to that point where um, your body won't do, but your mind wants to, it becomes a big battle, a, a really big battle. And I disappeared. I disengaged for probably almost five years, mm -hmm. just I felt like I was just this blob kind of going through life who cared about goals, who cared about dreams. It didn't matter because the body hurts, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, pain stops, whether it's emotional pain, physical pain, spiritual pain, it stops. It's inhibiting to what we want to do. And so I realized my, my daughter kind of was the wake up call. Mm -hmm. um, one day she looked at me and she was just like, just go take your medicine and go to bed. We, we prefer you not even to be around us. And I thought, how with my family that I love beyond everything that is, I mean, they are my everything. They don't want me around. And I thought that's, I don't, I don't want to be that in life. And it was a big wake up call called doctors. And I said, I need off all this medication. And they said, you won't be able to function in life without medicine. And I said, well, I'm not functioning with it. Mm -hmm. So then became the journey. And that's when I started painting. That's when I started mm -hmm. the mind mapping and kind of beginning to dig deep within to all sorts of different things that happen in life. No matter how great a family you grow up in, there's, there's trial, there's trauma, there's hurt. And we can all put on a good, happy face when we need to at different times. And mm -hmm. as I've gotten to know different people, there were a lot of parts in my life that were not very different um, from the kids who never had clothes or didn't have food. There, you know, there were different things. I, I was always provided for food and clothes um, and my parents did the best they could in a lot of ways. But I think as parents, we fail. We fail sometimes. I've, I have failed my children, especially those, those five years. And I've, mm -hmm. I've told my kids, listen, when you figure out how I screwed you up, please come talk to me because we can fix this, right? Because mm -hmm. it's like, no life is perfect. We're mm -hmm. all going to have challenges. And I think when we talk about junior high and high school kids, a lot of times, I don't think people give them the credit that they deserve. Mm -hmm. I don't think that um, they get, 
they don't get the support that they need for what they're seeing, what they're hearing, and what they're experiencing sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think as kids, it's really easy to say, I don't deserve to have that dream. I don't deserve to go and do this convention that I want to go to or go do um, this art show or, or get straight A's on this, this paper. And, you know, maybe because they, the support isn't coming from home and teachers are trying, but there's so many kids they're trying to help that it's easy to fall through the cracks. And so I would say to the junior high and high school kids, if you feel like you're falling through the cracks, speak up, speak mm -hmm. up. Your voice yeah. is worth being heard. And that's mm -hmm. 100%. So it's, if, if anything coming out of this car accident, I now live to connect. Mm -hmm. I live to connect with people, the places around me, the, the mm -hmm. road trips we've been on, um, nature, somebody else's pain can I connect mm -hmm. with them and help them see um, a benefit to what they've gone through even if mm -hmm. it's that down the road they may see somebody or know somebody that they're going to need to help through it. Mm -hmm. um, it so I think I mean these kids just have they are the dreamers right it's it's yeah we forget how to dream the older we get I think right mm -hmm. but you guys are working with the most amazing group of people on this earth i think at this time and that mm -hmm. is these these kids that given the right vehicle given the mm -hmm. right support system and mm -hmm. given the right encouragement the world is unstoppable for them they're unstoppable mm -hmm. for the world mm -hmm. so yeah that's where it's now, now I truly believe it's all live to connect. Who can we connect with? Mm. Oh, Laura, I love I was, that. Yeah. I was thinking earlier, I'm not sure what, what part of your story that, that necessarily made me think this, but I was like, I feel like Laura, one of Laura's strengths must be connectedness and mm -hmm. kind of seeing, you know, there that all of this, there's a reason um, for, yeah. for these things happening. And um, even if it's, it's a, uh, even as something where we're, we may be a little bit more short-sighted to it, um, that there's still something there. And I, I really love to to just thank you for sharing your story from you know the the culmination of that dream to unfortunately the dream going away to seeing how you process that grief and just so transparently you sharing that as well. I mean, um, I, I think it is a very powerful story um, and very moving story to know that you in some senses you can you can lose things but you can also pick up another dream in the process um, absolutely and that is that that part is really incredible um and yes no i i wanted to ask you know like how did you work through those feelings of bitterness and um you know sometimes like i, I think middle school students they also go through these these emotions absolutely. of you know loss and even dreams being lost i know that in the past three years um students lots of students felt like they had things that they had planned um that that they did lose how did you it feels like a strength of yours is that connectedness but would you have any recommendations for students that are maybe trying to process those feelings right now um I, that is a phenomenal question um i think looking at being real i think um when you when you grow up in a situation or when you're faced with situations where um well it doesn't matter what happened as you got out the door to go into the classroom supposedly you're supposed to just auto reset and auto reset and go ahead and go right into class and be this attentive student and um, do well on your grades, you know, be engaged in your classroom, be, be able to communicate and express yourself to your teachers or to the students. And you, frankly, you don't feel like it. You, you just want to go crawl in a hole. And, and can everybody just leave me alone for a while? And I think one of the things that I had to become good at was speaking my truth. And it was speaking my truth to myself because I am a big dreamer. It's easy to go into a bad situation in your mind and kind of recreate it, make it seem like it wasn't so bad when really, in fact, it, it was horrid. 
right? It was, it was things that people should never have to experience. The loss of a parent, um, rape, you know, I mean, any, any kind of horrible trauma that kids go through that, wait, you're not supposed to talk about that. You're not supposed to, um, vocalize that that happened be quiet about that Shh. we'll deal with that later those types of things find your voice and for me it came through because i'd become such a master at kind of masking you know reality in a sense right with being this dreamer um that i had to learn um how to allow myself to have that space to explore how i truly felt about something without feeling like I was going to get, you know, receive condemnation for it or shame or, you know, well, you're too young. It shouldn't have affected you that way. It doesn't matter how old I was. It affected me. So what can I do to be true to those feelings? And that's why I got into mind mapping, you know, just, just rampant, you know, whatever your form is kind of the, mind mapping in my mind is Picasso's painting, or I'm sorry, uh, Jackson Pollock art, sorry. You know, it's like you're just throwing stuff out there and it doesn't matter where it sticks or what it is, just get it out there. So mm -hmm. that's in, in writing, writing poems or musics or songs, um, mm -hmm. in art, um, drawing, uh, painting, um, fashion, you know, sewing, um, sculpting. I don't, I don't care if the sculpting is, is mud pies. You create something, allow your body to express what it's feeling. And I, and I think, you know, we all tend to think, well, we have to live in this box. What's socially acceptable? What, what do we, what, how we present ourselves is what's socially acceptable, right? And so then we become even better at shoving our feelings down and ignoring those. So the more you begin to step out of that box and find someone you can, can, can trust, um and and talk to them whether it's a friend or another adult somewhere um but get it out the more you keep that inside the long-term damage it just propels itself so it is about being true and raw with yourself mm -hmm. speaking how you feel regardless of whether anybody else agrees with you or thinks you're right speak it if, yeah. if you can speak it, then you can set it free and then go create the feelings of what it's done to you in some modality. Run, you know, climb mountains, hike, go fishing, you know, whatever you're doing to get out and allow it time to continue to surface in the layers that it will surface in. Mm. That's great, Laura. Thanks for speaking that truth. And I think at the time of this recording, such a now word and in-season mm -hmm. word with students, especially just with their eyes, you know, back on back on school, we're turning to school in whichever format. And I'm sure yeah. a lot of emotion that's just coming just along mm -hmm. with that. And I love just your practical application to get out there and just create and find new yeah. things to, to do. Well, we're going to take this conversation full circle. You said on the onset that you are a big dreamer. And so uh, talk about today. Uh, what is on your mind? Do you have a particular big dream or project or an idea that you are looking forward to? I love it. Absolutely. So um, I, I have always loved to bake and cook. And um, kind of my overall big dream is a physical location where I can help people live to connect connect with um, what is grown on this earth, um, how it's processed, how it's eaten and consumed, um, it, how we can take vegetables and, and dye fabrics. And and I, I tend to, like I said before, not do anything small. I'm kind of a sink or swim, jump in and go for it. So my, my overall big goal is a physical location where that can all happen, where it's the artist retreats, the business programs, all of those types of things. But, and that's what kind of taking it from a, a reverse standpoint where being at the farmer's market, getting out there, kind of talking with more people about what they like, what, what their dreams are, where they're headed in life. And so kind of what that farmer's market has led us to is because bottom line, I kind of thought that through my art, that would generate the income I needed to to purchase this this piece of property and and begin to build whether it's 
cob houses and people get to live, you know, just pure off the land and experience and come camp and, you know, just get into earth a little bit. Um, I figure we learn the most when things are the messiest, right? And, mm-hmm. and so get into the mess and have fun and then have a good shower and clean up and get all dolled up. That's <laughs> awesome. But so my one of the things that's happened because of doing this farmer's market is it's actually led us to um, instead of opening up a new restaurant at this point, we're going we're on the path to open a commercial kitchen where we're going mm-hmm. to be able to get our goods and products out even more. And um, it's been kind of fun because I'm going to get to bring my husband back home a little bit. We're hoping within the next year or so, so that he can help oversee um, a co-packer, which is what we're wanting to do. Oklahoma Mm -hmm. is um, deficient in co-packers. There's not enough Mm -hmm. available. Uh, Lots of people with ideas, but not enough factories to actually help make it happen. And because we know the restaurant industry the way that we do and mm-hmm. you know the end consumer use and the manufacturing use of things it just kind of goes seamlessly where my dream and my husband's skills and abilities were all going to get to come together in that way so that is a big huge dream and i am seriously throwing it out there <laughs> so who knows how it's all going to come up but it, it i wouldn't be where i am today if i didn't have the dream of the olympics first so if this is just the method and the vehicle to help get me wherever the next situation in life is i know that it's only going to be bigger and better than where i'm at right now so i'm not opposed to where it takes me (laughs) laura that's amazing thank you for sharing and i know this you at least have two people right now whose wheels are spinning about the dreams that you just shared true (laughs) if i could only be the bubble in your head right now carolyn I like, there's like, I I literally just had uh, two conversations recently about farming to table and, uh, and doing some, some cool retreat type stuff. So yeah, no, definitely. I'm like, Michael, you're right. There is. I love it. They're definitely awesome. Yeah. You guys have been an absolute pleasure. I, I am so thankful for what you do with your program, how you help the kids. You are that vehicle to help Mm. them have a safe place to dream Mm -hmm. with the support system to help encourage that dream to become a reality to whatever degree that is for them. Even if all that is, is right here and now, and they go on and do other things and never own their own business. That's great. You're helping them become better individuals. And I think that's what we're all here on this earth to do is, is what's our own individual mission to accomplish and how do we help others on the way? Oh, Oh, Laura, thank you. Thank you for thank you for sharing that. I feel like you got ahead of me and our last question oh, for you. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> so good. You've shared so many great things throughout this conversation. But Laura, we do have something that's called our 60-second dreamer endure minute. So 121 right. other dreamer endure guests like yourselves have been ask this question, but we want to give you another 60 seconds, one minute, just to share whatever else might be on your heart or in your mind that will encourage the dreamer and doer that is watching and listening. So Laura, are you ready? I am ready. All right. Set it go. All right. I would say first and foremost is that balance. Um, You can run, 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 run. But if you don't take the time to stop and pause, you won't be able to keep up. And so I think it's that whole, you know, when we pray, we're talking, but when we meditate, we're listening. And I think that's the whole basis of where I find I am happiest in life is when I have a pretty good balance of that, that just taking that time to go sit and listen. We don't always have to be doing, I think sometimes it's in the sitting and the listening that the path is made more clear for what we need to do. So with that, I would encourage everyone to just take some time to themselves, peaceful, find a peaceful place, take a notepad, draw, sketch, and sit quietly and just allow your intuition to be more of your guide than the ping pong ball in, you know, in a, in a ping pong machine or whatever, you know, kind of bouncing off everything else um, so that you can stay more honed in and in tune with your personal guide. Mm-hmm. It will take you further than I think anything else. Nice. I love that. Thank Laura, you. thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. Not not only just that piece, because I think that is incredibly important in 
I've never heard it that way of, you know, yeah. prayer can be like speaking, but meditation can be more like listening. Um, and mm-hmm. um, I think we do a lot of speaking oftentimes, you know, <laughs> but yeah. not enough listening. I know that that is for <laughs> myself. Yeah. I was like, I'll tell on myself for that for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love getting to hear so many different aspects of your story um, and how each dream really came, came about and even just your response. And, you know, this may be the next vehicle to the next dream, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, but just it just keeps. I think it, you have you absolutely have a dreamer spirit, um, and I, I hope this is a conversation that our students hear and it encourages them to know that um, it's there's lots of different beginnings um, and to yeah. be to be open to the ride um, as well, mm-hmm. and also to to be able to do difficult things. I think that's something else that really sticks out to me um, in your story, story, Laura, is that you definitely did do difficult things um, and, and didn't shy away from them, and so. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very encouraging. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, Laura, you have been such an encouragement to me. I know our dreamers and doers out there. For those of us that want to just uh, learn more about you or if it's the Carnegie Art Company, where's the best place that we can find that? Find that? So I think the absolute best place, um, lauracarnegie.com. Um, you can go to Laura Carnegie Facebook, I'll friend you, whatever. Um, Carnegie Art and Co. on Instagram um, and Carnegie Art and Company on Facebook. So any of those vehicles would be great. So awesome. Yeah. We'll include Live those in the show notes. <laughs> I love it. Live to connect. Thank you. Laura, again, thank you so much for your time and making us better today. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. See Take you care. soon. See ya. That okay, was care. A super awesome conversation. So awesome, so encouraging, motivating, challenging, all of, all of the above, letter D. Also at the same time, Carolyn, I'm not gonna forget about the potential competition that you oh and my I gosh. may have <laughs> in the near in the near in the near future. This could be really exciting. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to uh, definitely practice more than just my form, I think on that one. I <laughs> love it. it. Are I we love doing it. a race walking one or or is, are we doing a playing competition again? Well, we can discuss this uh, post podcast. <laughs> we need a rematch, but I like the the, the run walking. I think uh, we need to. I think we need to get into that. But okay. Carolyn, uh, Laura shared with us where we can find out more about her for our dreamers and doers that would like to learn more about LoveWorks. Where can they go? They can go to loveworksleadership.org um, and we've got our, well, that's our website there, but we also have a really cool feature um, on our website and it's uh, called a, it's where you can leave a question. So it's actually really neat. You can record a question, an actual audio question, either for uh, the host here, uh, Michael or myself, or even one of our future guests. And so we'll do our very best, of course, to make sure that um, it's a life-giving answer and it, uh, it it's actually helpful. So Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, dreamers and doers, we like to remind you towards the end that real leaders, they don't blend in, but they stand out. Dream big. And do your dream. See everybody. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.